Welcome to Our Sleeve Life Podcast, hosted by Kelly and Mel, friends who had gastric sleeve surgery but five years apart. We wanted to create a supportive family with full transparency by sharing our stories as well as others from the community. We are breaking the stigma of weight loss and weight loss surgery one episode at a time. Hey, guess what, guys? We're not doctors. No, we are not. <laughs> no. So if you're going to be making any major medical decisions, please consult your doctor immediately. Ye- yes. And that includes diet, surgeries, and exercise. We love you guys, and we want you to continue to be in our OSLP family. That's right. So be careful and consult your doctor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back, guys. Hey, everyone. We are on location Yeah. at a very special place. My surgeon's office. Yes. And we are going to talk with Ellen. Um, she was our, my nutritionist all through my six-month program. How exciting. Yeah. So welcome, Ellen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of this course. is very, very exciting. Yay. I was so excited for today. <laughs> she, she really was. She didn't like, stop talking about I it. See, I get to see my office. I feel like home Has when i changed. It, yeah. No, it hasn't. Yeah. Well, it's just different. Like walking in, it's a different experience from when you walk in and you're like before surgery to like now. I'm like, my, I feel like myself has changed. Yes. Like my whole persona and like, I just feel better. Totally. So, totally. I was going to say, the pictures are the same. We haven't changed any of the decor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, like, did you move offices? Like, why does this seem different? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's oh, awesome. It's just you. It's just you. Yeah. It's okay. just, I think it's just a different viewpoint when you've changed, like when your self has changed and you walk in and you're like, it just feels different going in. Do you feel so, better when you I walk do. in? Yeah. I feel excited. Like, yay, they get to see how far <laughs> I've come. And like, they did a good job. <laughs> they trained me well. <laughs> you did the work. We, we're just the cheerleaders on the sidelines. Which <gasps> I had the best cheerleaders, so. <laughs> I say so far, yes. Yeah. Yeah, for cheerleading-wise, mm-hmm. that's for sure. I've had a good support system, which I think is one of the key. Super key, because I didn't have a nutritionist through the whole time. Like, mm-hmm. you get to meet one, and you go over everything, mm-hmm. but it's one visit, for the oh, one that I did. Wow. So, um, super different than it what was. I got to experience. And yeah. mine was five years ago, so I know, like, a lot has changed. So much has changed. So much has changed. And, and also different from program to program. We're a little smaller program, so we're able to um, meet patients uh, one-on-one. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of a, a unique thing we can do in a small environment where a lot of larger programs do class environments, which are also effective, but mm-hmm. looks looks different from program to program. Which we still did class environments. Mm-hmm. I mean, you we still had to do the two... Um, Support groups. The support groups. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I liked having the one-on-one. So you can ask your questions. You don't feel like anybody's going to look at you differently. And at that point, you don't want anybody to look at you. So you're like, no, I'd rather be on one-on-one yeah. Yeah. personally. I think that's interesting because like, it's, even with a regular classroom setting, no one wants to raise their hand. Yeah. Even when they know the answer. Well, and even like, this is something that you're all there for the same thing. Like you're all there to get surgery or you've had surgery. So you understand yet. You're still very nervous to raise a hand, say anything. Yeah. It's that stigma, man. Yeah. It can be really hard to get folks going, but sometimes in class environments, you end up bouncing off really good ideas and, and, and then you take away more because there's one or two chatty people that do feel comfortable speaking (laughs) up and it end up, you know, so, but yeah, if, if there aren't any 
uh, question askers, then it can be kind of kind of tough, kind of quiet. So. Very quiet. <laughs> yes, I am not one to do that. When mm-hmm. Melanie first asked me about doing this, I was like, um, I don't really like to participate, so I don't know how well this is going to go. But we did You're the first episode, it. and now we, yeah, we, I, I love it. So I'm like, okay. So do you ever um, like host the classes? Mm-hmm. So we we do support groups. Uh, of course, right now they're on Zoom. Yes. Uh, and so, yes, I do um, co-teach those with our um, behavioral health specialists. And we often bring in speakers um, too. But as far as the nutrition context mm-hmm. go, everything's individual. Everything's individual. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. good to know. Yes. And then what is this behavioral specialist? So um, we Therapy. have... Yeah. So oh, okay. We actually have a uh, a really cool contract with um, with uh, a, co- a local college, and so we've got interns that come in and rotate during their doctoral program with oh. us, and so they um, they make up the piece to cover the psychology assessment that's required for weight mm-hmm. loss surgery, and because they're students we're able to provide better care for patients. They're able mm-hmm. to meet more frequently than what they may be able to be able to do with an with an actual counselor and we're able to provide it free of charge for our patients. That's amazing. I like that program. Yeah. It was I, I feel like it was really helpful to be able to see the same person. You go in and you talk about what's going on because it is a lot of it's mental. Like there's something there that you're just not getting past. And I mean I had to come to grips with that. I did it to myself. Like I like to blame it all on my diseases and that was not, I mean, 100% on them. Like I put the food in my mouth. I decided to eat the way I did. So yes, they played a part in it, but yeah. So, and that was all discovered during therapy, like being able to say and take ownership of that behavior, because I think it's really hard to say I messed up. Like this is on me. Mm -hmm. So It's hard to admit when you're wrong. Oh, yeah. Like, we all hate it. Oh, yeah. Nobody <laughs> likes being wrong. No, but it goes a long way once you do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why I was one of the reasons why I was so successful was because I could make that realization of, okay, now I can make better decisions now that I know this and I've moved past this. So oh, that's so good to hear. I'm glad you were well supported while you were here. Thank you. <laughs> I we truly get the cream of the crop. I mean, they're great, yes. great students and, um, and really excel. So they are really good. Yeah. So how did you get in, in involved in all of this? So I always had an interest in weight management. Um, looking back at my childhood, I was a little bigger than other kids my age. Mm-hmm. And um, my um, you know parents didn't have a lot of knowledge about, mm-hmm. about nutrition, just did the best they could. And we stayed really busy and we were active in sports and um, not a lot of time to cook from scratch. And so uh, something, I can't even pinpoint it, but something happened in high school where I just got really in. Uh, interested in food and cooking, especially, and uh, decided uh, probably junior or senior year that I thought something in food is what I wanted to do mm-hmm. and decided more of the dietitian route rather than the cooking route. And uh, as you know, through my training in school, I learned a lot about weight loss surgeries, but I never, you know, at that time, it, they were not nearly as popular as they are now or yes. understood. Um, obesity wasn't even classified as a disease at that time. That's crazy. So, um, because I just learned that it was, remember, and with uh, Dr. Patterson yeah. on that episode, I was just like, so it's a disease? Like, how is this a disease? Like, yeah. I never understood, didn't realize. So, yeah, yeah it's like 
so new. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very yes, very new. And we're still really on the forefront of learning everything that's under the surface of the water. Obesity is such an iceberg and there's still so much that's that's not understood. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're getting there and slowly but surely. So um, I didn't start my career in um, bariatric nutrition, um, but this opportunity became available um, and I was living in, in the town and I just knew immediately it's what I wanted to do. I I always, always wanted to work with, uh, in some way, weight management. And uh, so I've been here just under three years and I don't see myself ever working in another discipline of nutrition. That's so. awesome. Oh, amazing. I love it. I love yes. it. That's really, it's a, a really neat feeling when you find something that you can not only help people, but like you love doing. Yes. Yes, definitely. It's very, very uh, <laughs> focused and very specialized, but mm-hmm. um, that's cool, you know, to to have a lot of knowledge around, um, you know, and kind of that focus on one specific area. Yeah. You know, nutrition is really very broad. <laughs> well, and Lord, we all need to know about it. Like that's the biggest deal because we have to eat. Yes. So I think that's really good that you're like, I have this really great skill that you all can learn from. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love it. So where'd you go to school at? So I actually um, did my undergraduate uh, training at Indiana University oh. um, back in the, the Midwest. I was a Hoosier. So I grew up in Indiana. Uh-huh. Um, the fifth year of a dietetics program is a required internship. Oh. And they're generally very competitive. About 50% of students get in. Um, wow. And so you it's in your best interest to apply all over mm. in hopes that you'll get matched to a program. Yeah. And so I was matched to Central Washington University in uh, Ellensburg, Washington. So I did my um, internship training, which is um, essentially rotating through lots of different um, aspects of nutrition, long-term care, the school food system, clinical um some uh, of the students did get placed at a bariatric clinic. Unfortunately, I didn't during yeah. that training. Um, and um, generally at that same time, you're doing additional graduate uh, work, graduate classes. And so I was living in Yakima at the time. And then through my internship, um, actually took a job um, here in McMinnville oh. and uh, have stayed here, even though I'm not now at that job anymore. So yeah. But you love this office. Definitely. This is, okay. Oh, yes, yes. Small You're office, like skeleton crew. We all get along great. It's it's a great team. And okay. I work with an awesome surgeon, which um, is super, super fun. So she's amazing. <laughs> I can't wait to meet her. I know. You're going to love her. You'll be, those two are going to get along great. <laughs> what kind of um, degrees do you have to have? Like, what what kind of stuff do you have to, like... Yeah, I already kind of said it. Yeah, what kind of like degree do you have to have to be a dietitian or a nutritionist, I guess? So uh, right now, the requirement is an undergraduate degree plus the required internship. Okay. Some internships are combined graduate programs. Mm. And so some uh, dietitians will elect to um, stay longer and finish out their graduate um, to, to have a master's. Okay. Um, wow. In a couple of years, a master's will actually be required. Um, but those who didn't fall under that um, requirement are grandfathered in essentially. Yeah. So, um, and some, sometimes people change their mind after they get their bachelor's in something else. And so they have their master's, not necessarily because they elected to do more training, but because they did it as a combined internship because they chose to do a different field after, um, maybe as a second career, for example. So, okay. Very nice. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I thought you'd like that. The long um that he's going to have to take out. Uh, okay, so 
Let's jump into um, talking about food, which yeah. is sure. your specialty. That's what I do. Um, <laughs> so we kind of want to go over nutritional labels. Okay. That is our biggest thing. Um, we get a lot of questions about it. We ourselves wonder about it on a daily basis. Um, so we brought several different kinds of protein bars and then two protein shakes. Um, so I don't know... So usually we go over the like total calories. Okay. And then we go over the carbs, fiber, sugars, and proteins. Because we feel like those are the most important nutritional facts to know. Is there anything like how would you read a label yeah, what or explain a label to a patient, a bariatric yeah. patient, so of what to look for. I think you're definitely looking at the right things. You're okay. you're zoning in on the biggies, the calories, the serving size. Okay. I would add to that because okay. sometimes you know, in a bar or a shake, that's a different than opening a package of crackers or um, uh, cookies or something where the amount that you're going to eat is not necessarily the amount that you're you're measuring for for protein and carbs. Okay, so serving size, calories. Um, fat, carbs, and protein. I think you're looking at all the the major things. Okay. So uh, when it comes to, um, you know, a lot of patients will ask me, well, what am I looking for? And my first answer is always, it depends because Mm -hmm. it really depends on what you're looking at. If you're looking at the food label for crackers and you're looking at a food label for a protein shake, you're looking at very different things. You're not expecting the crackers to be high protein and you don't want your shake to be really high in carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, First, you have to make sure you're comparing apples to apples and not apples to oranges. So it's hard to just give this generic, this is what you're looking for on a label. So I think it's good that you've got comparable products to compare. So, and actually I had, um, which you can use those if you want. Sure, sure. I had prepared some similar things. I love it. So we could look at some unrelated foods and I could kind of quiz you guys and see what what you notice. So, yay. So looking at, um, are you wanting me to? You can. Yeah, sure. So I think in a protein shake, you know, generally someone who is grabbing a shake is using it for a quick, easy meal replacement. Mm -hmm. Uh, For a post weight loss surgery patient, they're just trying to get enough protein in. Yes. So uh, when you're seeking a protein shake after surgery, you're not really looking for balance. You're not looking for um, a little bit of fat, a little bit of carb. You're looking for a protein bomb, especially mm-hmm. right off the get-go because okay. it is so physically difficult to get in enough. Yes. That might look different down the road, you know, a year or five years when you can physically get in a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So the protein bomb, I just want to snap in real quick. <laughs> um, I think we should explain to the followers why is, because people that are wanting to get surgery understand why is protein so important for us to mm-hmm. have? I think that's a great starting point. So when we talk about uh, macronutrients, so the term macro literally means big or large. Macronutrients, there are three. And what that means is everything we eat, with the exception of water, is made up of of one of those three nutrients or more than likely a combo of, two, of both of, two of them or maybe all three of them. Okay. Carbs, fat, and protein. Those are okay. our macronutrients. Oh. The thing with protein is it's non-negotiable. We, we have to consume it. In general, we can go with less fat. We can go with a little less carbs than, than what we're getting in the traditional American diet, but protein is, is not optional. We, we have to consume it. Okay. And if we're not, the good news is your body is not just going to flop over and die. Um, but what it does is it pulls from your savings account and your savings account is your muscles. Got it. So after surgery, the reason that we drill protein, protein, protein into patients' heads is that 
they're at risk of losing muscle mass or, mm-hmm. or what we call lean body mass okay. as a result of not ingesting enough orally. Okay. Our bodies are equipped to handle consuming less fat and less carbs, but pro- we have to give it protein. Mm-hmm. Okay. So does that answer your, mm, answer your question? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Protein like that plays a role in a lot of functions. And so not getting uh, overly technical, that's the big one is right off the bat, we don't want patients losing muscle. Okay. Um, but of course, it plays a role in things like stabilizing blood sugar, keeping us full. Got it. Um, losing muscle mass. I mean, you're you're going to lose some muscle mass, correct? Like post-surgery, um, it's just going to happen regardless. Yes. Because you're losing at such a rapid rate. Correct. Okay. Most studies will show that there is some amount of, of muscle loss in all weight loss surgery patients. Okay. And so the goal is to buffer that the most that we can. Okay. And um, some programs have really technical fancy machines where they're able to physically measure that. Mm-hmm. Most programs don't. And okay. But we know that at the end of the day, we just have to give our bodies a certain amount of protein and try and um, mitigate that reaction the best that we can. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, my doctor had me get to blow into like this contraption for a minute or like you had to hold it for a certain amount of time. And then it actually told you like how much fat and protein you had. Was weird. Oh, yes. So it was probably um, what's called an indirect calorimeter, okay. uh, yeah. which is a, a very technical way of measuring how much your body needs of all the things. Mm-hmm. So. Of all the things. All the things. <laughs> That's true. I remember doing it. I looked at my husband. I'm like, am I doing this right? And he's like, I don't know. I don't... <laughs> he's like, I think so. <laughs> like, I'm not a doctor. He's like, just keep going until they come back. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, so can you get too much protein? Absolutely. In, okay. in short, I would say yes. Okay. I think in, in many areas of our life, not just food, too much of anything is generally not good. Okay. So uh, the, the experts have conflicting ideas of exactly how much protein we need at each intervals of life. And, and some say we don't consume enough protein and, and lots are telling us that we're consuming way too much and the American diet is plenty full of protein. Mm-hmm. We've got some pretty good guidelines for post weight loss surgery. And um, I encourage listeners to check in with their program and their dietitian to get those specific um, amounts because it would be a calculation or could um, okay. uh, could could vary um, depending on activity levels and, and those kinds of things. Okay. Um, but because of the way protein is metabolized, it can be really tough on the kidneys. Okay. Um, so having way too much protein we know can contribute to kidney stones. Um, ah. For someone already with um, poor kidney function, it could only ex- exacerbate that. Oh. Um, Good to know. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. We also have to think about what else is in the foods that that are um, high protein. Okay. So if we're eating a lot of beef, um, red meat, for example, mm-hmm. then in addition to getting too much protein, probably the saturated fat is really adding up too. Okay. Um, if we're eating a ton of um, deli meat to try and meet some, you know, unusually high protein goals, probably the sodium is really adding up. So sometimes it's not only the protein, but what else we're adding by consuming um, not a, a well-balanced okay. meal. Okay. So. So um, is there too much for like, see how one of those has like 20 grams of protein. I think the other one has how much? 25? So we have two, we brought two protein shakes for Ellen to kind of look at the back of the label. Uh, one of them's Premier Protein uh, Oats. It's the apple cinnamon, which is freaking it's delicious. It's our favorite. Yeah. So good. Um, and then I brought, and then we also did the GNC Lean Shake, which has a little bit more protein in it. 
but we wanted to kind of see the difference between the two because we do like both of them. Um, but just as a nutritionist side of it. Sure. What, what, what do, do I notice? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, since we're already talking about protein, mm-hmm. um, the most protein that the body handles at one time or at one meal is somewhere around 30 grams. Okay. So there's really no reason to go over that in one sitting. Got it. Now, right after surgery, that's not really yeah. a risk because it takes forever to get in your 30 <laughs> grams of protein. And by the time you get through it, you're ready to start your diet shake. Exactly. Exactly. Right now, you know, physically you can drink much faster. And, and so there would be, you know, no reason to have a 30 gram shake plus add more protein on the side. Limiting somewhere okay. around that is generally okay. consider, considered sufficient for that meal. Okay. Oh. So in looking at the, um, you know, just comparing, the calories are pretty comparable, 150 to 170. Um, The fat is not far off. The Premier is around three and the Lean Shake, the GNC product is at six. Okay. Um, So I don't, I don't see that as a drastic difference. Okay. Um, The saturated fat, which we know is not a good fat. So we're... You know, back in the 90s, fats were really demonized. And, mm-hmm. um, we, you know, the, the big diet at that time was by Dr. Dean Ornish and low fat, low fat, low fat. We know now that the type of fat matters a lot more than the fat. Than the, just the quantity. word fat. Correct. Okay. Yes. So saturated fat is the one that's not good for our heart. Um, saturated okay. and trans are the bad guys. Okay. Um, they are required to be on food labels. The good fats are are not required to be on food labels, but by process of elimination. That seems backwards. (laughs) I think all of it should be on there. One thing. I I don't disagree. I guess if if everything was on there that I wanted, it would probably keep getting longer and longer. I'd I'd just kind of (laughs) fold out. (laughs) But the cool thing is that um, with a little bit of simple math, you can um, figure out how much of the good fats are on. You might not know if it's poly or mono, which are two types of the unsaturated fats mm-hmm. or the good guys. Okay. Um, but for in the premier shake, for example, there are three grams of total fat, a half a gram of saturated fat and no trans. So we know that there are about two and a half grams of, of good fat. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's that. good. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, similarly with the, with the lean shake, there are six grams um, of total fat and one gram of saturated. So there's about five grams of, of good fats oh. in there. Okay. So that's how you would, if you're, if you're looking at a product that, that doesn't have that labeled, um, how you would figure that out. Cool. And how much saturated or unsaturated fat should you have in a day? So roughly, I guess. Yeah. It, it's going to depend a little bit from person to person, but very generically for saturated fat, less than 10% of your total calories. Okay. So a lot of people don't know how many calories they're having or how much they should be having. Um, you know, the standard American diet, we usually use 2000, um, kind of the standard, but for weight loss surgery, it's it's nowhere near that. (laughs) No. Um, and we don't have hard calorie guidelines for weight loss surgery patients. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, assuming, you know, most post-op patients are somewhere around a thousand to 1500, um, you know, around 10% of that would be Less 10 than. grams to 15 grams. Yeah. Numbers person right here. I don't, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how much? 10 to 15 grams. 10 yeah. to 15 grams a day. Correct. Correct. Okay. Or less of saturated or fat. Less. So that would be, okay. you'd look at that as more of a limit, like trying keeping your saturated fat below that. Below that. Yes. Okay. So put SAT for saturated. So what would it be for unsaturated? Same? I, to be honest with you, I don't think that we have um, 
uh, hard recommendations, just choosing a, a well-balanced diet. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so if you're, if you're watching your saturated fat, then you're just going to be, I mean, you'll be better um, with your other, your healthy fat, right? Correct. That, okay. I, well, I guess not necessarily because you could be consuming a lot of um, animal proteins, a lot of red meat and okay. not choosing things like walnuts or salmon or avocado. So it's not okay. necessarily going to match up just because you're trying to limit your your bad fat. So push the salmon, avocado, that type of thing, because that's going to be healthier for Correct. you overall. I wouldn't, okay. I would worry, I would think more about um, limiting saturated fats, but as far as good fats, not necessarily counting them, but just making sure to be making well-balanced choices, including healthy fats where okay. you can. Okay. So I have a quick not where it's just a question that popped <laughs> in my head. So Melanie's, I know this happens quite often. Um, so Melanie's brother did a, it's called the carnivore diet. And so it's like, it's all, all sorts of means. It's, it's all meat, but he generally eats steak. Just at night, the rest of the days, it's like turkey and chicken and stuff. So with you doing a carnivore diet where you're not getting in, like, you're not because it's it's no not really any veggie vegetables not no, really fruits it's just uh, meat and cheese meat and cheese it's hard cheeses not soft cheeses okay yeah so and lots of water is that would that be considered a healthy diet or is that gonna is that more I mean a fad like how would you classify that <laughs> in diet world I guess so <laughs> it just popped in my head because of the saturated fat you were saying yeah you know yeah. meat or beef. And like, I'm going to have a ribeye when I go home. So <laughs> you know, I need to understand this. So I think that every nutrition professional is hoping that we can all get to a place of, of balance. Okay. You know, we know that all of the different foods that we have access to bring different nutrients to the table. We can't, you know, realistically, we can't get everything we need from meat. We also can't get everything we need from salad. Okay. We also can't get everything we need from water. We get very, um, or whole grains, you know, that's another one that, mm -hmm. uh, that we forget about that brings a lot of good stuff to the table. Okay. So um, I would certainly encourage something with a little bit more variety. You know, I, I would fear mm -hmm. about missing out on things like fiber, which we know, you know, reduces risk of a, a lot of things and um, has some practical um, benefits too. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> it makes you go number two. <laughs> Especially after surgery. Yes. It's, it's very hard. Yeah, no, they need to know that. Like that's, uh, we're going to have a bathroom episode because that's legit it's a, a problem. It's a thing. She yeah. wants to have a whole episode around We've going had to the bathroom. People talk to us about it. They're like, no, yes, do a bathroom episode. This because is, it's sure. all her. It's all her. Because <laughs> of all the anesthesia she eats. No, not An going to say it right. Anesthesiology? No. No, because I was going to say anesthesiologist, but that's not the problem. That's the person <laughs> that puts the stuff in you. <laughs> so it's all of the like medicine and all the painkillers that can like stall you up. It's, Back, it's yeah. totally a flurry. It's not being up and moving as much as you're mm. used, you know, in the immediate post-operative period, not being able to get as much fluid as you're used to. That's you're right. Pain thinking. pills have been on board mm -hmm. for many patients following a really low calorie diet. They're, um, they're just not ingesting the same amount of fiber mm. um, as before. Sometimes high protein diets tend to um, lead to constipation. Others um, will it. have the opposite effect. Some people tend to lean toward looser stool um, okay. when they're just doing the shakes or or leaning higher protein. So all of that 
totally right that constipation is a, a true thing right after surgery. Yeah. And even in the long term, because the nature is it's it's physically difficult to get in enough fiber. You're so hyper-focused on protein because you have to be, mm-hmm. but most protein foods, with the exception of things like beans and um, you know vegetarian substitutes that are um, soy-based or bean-based, yes. um, don't have a lot of fiber. So yes, it's, it's hard. Okay. And I love the beans, so we're good. <laughs> good. She's <laughs> good on that. That was our first, both of us, that was our yeah, first raw refri- food. Refried beans with cheese was nice. our first real meal. Which is funny because we did it separate times, but it ended up being the same meal That's for yeah. us all. Perfect yeah. soft food thing. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Soft food. <laughs> yes. High exactly. in fiber, high in protein. Yeah. And got it tastes it. delicious. So, yeah. yeah. Bingo. Um, so, if we go back to the labels. So, um, speaking of fiber, so we've heard from multiple people that if you take the carbs and you can minus the fiber from the carbs. Is that accurate? And what does that even mean? I don't even understand it. Yeah, that's that's why are we minusing? I don't understand. Like So uh, the cool thing about the way the labels are set up is that the bolded amount, the total carbohydrates is is the total. And then everything underneath it is part of of that total. Anytime that there's that indention, that's indicating it's part of the, the previous category, I guess you could say. Okay. Um, as we talked about with the fats, there not everything has to be labeled. So there is sometimes like, well, wait, these numbers don't totally add up and that's that's going to happen. And okay. that's okay. We generally the things that we need to focus on, we can see. Okay. So um in the looking at the um, premier shake, it has seven grams of fiber. Mm-hmm. Um, fiber is is really good for us, but it's not actually digested. It plays a, a, mm. a great role in digestion, helps keep things cleaned out. It brings in moisture so that we don't have hard stool. It pushes things along. It does a lot of good stuff even while it's sitting in the bowel, but it's not actually digested. And so that's why you can't, when you're seeking counting net carbs or okay. if you're counting carbs, you wouldn't count the fiber toward that. Got it. Oh, so, so that's why you minus it off. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Ah. So you're counting the carbs that you that are actually being absorbed by the body, so to okay. speak. Okay. Because the fiber is actually absorbed in your intestines, correct? Why it's moving? Um, it's actually not it's absorbed. A- it's just there and then it's excreted. Oh. So it doesn't. Okay. All okay. right. So that's yep. why we minus it. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. It's just going to push it out anyway. Correct. All right. <laughs> <laughs> helps provide bulk, helps bring in fluid and, and uh, keep us comfortable okay right. that makes right. more sense and how much fiber like I'm, this is going to be a question almost on everyone how much fiber does one need in a day so in general we say 25 to 30 grams wow oh, wow very um, very few people i don't that. think i get that not not many people do it's it's okay. definitely an area and in fact when people ask me about counting things i'm i'm not the type of dish dietitian that encourages calorie counting or mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, really technical counting. Certainly some people really enjoy that black and white approach and that mm-hmm. can be um, safe and okay for a lot, but sometimes it can lead us to um, develop obsessive tendencies or get a little too too focused on the numbers mm-hmm. and, and um, less focused on just making healthy choices. Hmm. Um, that would be me. I wonder where that's going to be at. Maybe a little obsessive. Because I count things, but I don't get obsessive. You're... I got very obsessive. Got very I wanted to know exactly how many carbs were in things. And if it was over in my brain, it shouldn't have been over five. And I was like, okay, well, I won't eat that then. Or yeah, I know. It, I, got, I got very and obsessive. And whenever you're in the intensity of losing weight so quickly, it can be mm-hmm. easy to develop um 
those tendencies to just, mm-hmm. gosh, I want to know everything. I want to mm-hmm. be extra, extra cautious. I'm feeling great. I don't want to give up this feeling. And exactly. so it comes from a really good place, but it sounds like you acknowledge like, okay, I might be getting a little too, too intense about this. Mm-hmm. And, um, yes. and so anyways. Yeah. She definitely told me, she was like, um, come on. Well, I told her it was like, focus on the protein. Why are we even looking at that? Because what Dr. Patterson told me the first year, because you're 16 months out, right? Or 18? 16 months. 16 yeah. months. Yeah. She said the first year, don't even look at that part. Just look at the protein. You need to get, that's the one focus you need to do is get protein and water. So why? And so I was like, why are you obsessing about something that you're not even supposed to look at right now? <laughs> like I get if you're in year two or three, cause I'm five years. So I'm like, now I look at those things. Cause like I've let way more carbs in, in my life that I, I feel mm-hmm. like I should have. And so I look at those things now, but it's like, you're so post-op. Like you're so new to the post-op yeah. that I didn't want you to develop any problems with it. Cause it's like, we don't want you to be like skin and bones either. No. And I think I got to a point cause we had a very frank conversation of like, what weight is too much? Like what weight do you want to start getting worried? And I was like, I don't want to get under 130. I feel mm-hmm. like that is way too thin for me. Um, and so when I hit 141, mm-hmm. we were like, okay, we're good. <laughs> I'm done. Well, she was losing it so freaking fast. And it was insane because like mine was very, um, gradual, like gradual. It was very slow, not slow, but it was just like very like 10 pounds a month, you know, like 10 to 15 pounds. It was very gradual done. And hers is just like, boom, boom, boom. And she's like, I'm going to be a blah, blah, blah. in like four months, I was like, hold your horses. You know, I was like, I want to hit goal weight now. I want to be done with this. I was (laughs) like, I don't know if that's possible. And I actually told her that I'm like, that might not happen. Like, and I need you to be prepared for that because it could change. Because I wanted to hit my goal weight by one year, which I did. You totally did. But she totally did. It was very fast. It was very fast. It was very fast. And I was just like, okay, because I was seeing her every, every week. And I'm like, I'm noticing, I can see the change. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's when I brought up to her. I'm like, when when is it going to be too much? Like mm-hmm. there has to, your body has to eventually stop, right? Like, well, so and I think it's an important you? conversation to have with anybody that you are trying to support. Yeah. Like, when is it too much? Like you sure, have to keep an sure. eye on it still. You still have to get your protein. You still have to get your water, but you also like, we had a conversation. I think it was right around my one year and you, were, I was like, okay, how do I maintain? Like, I don't understand how to do this. And you're like, well, you start adding things back in, like add this, add this. So then I started adding potatoes and like healthy whole grains and I'm maintaining. I'm, you know, I just needed to, I think, get the permission that it was okay to eat Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Because I felt like I didn't want to let anybody down by gaining weight or not losing weight, you know? Yeah. So... Everyone's response to, to surgery is is so different, mm-hmm. and the the you know how the body responds and how quickly it comes off, and mm-hmm. certainly there there are behaviors that contribute to that, mm-hmm. but to an extent, it's how the body responds. And so, um, most you know we're um, we understand these surgeries so much more, and so we fortunately mal- true malabsorption malnutrition is not very common, and there isn't an, okay. an end point okay. um, to the weight loss. But you're right that sometimes you do reach a point. It's like I do need to add some more in. I might not be getting enough for my activity mm-hmm. to support mm-hmm. my activity level now. Yes. Um, or maybe I've gotten too too um, strict, and I'm 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 being too, a little too cautious. So. Yeah. Because yeah, I was seeing times where like the brain fog was happening because you weren't mm-hmm. getting enough food. Yeah. And so I'm like, hey, girl. <laughs> so now we eat before 
I'll usually come over to her house. She makes me a scramble, <laughs> and then I eat that, and I then did, I'm good. I Great. did that yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. She does eggs, sausage, and then I do bell um, peppers, onions, mm-hmm. and cheese, and cheese. Sounds delicious. Have, yeah, it's yeah. really good. And if my avocado is not rotten, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was last time. I opened two of them. I was like so bad. sad, but <laughs> yeah. normally I'll throw some avocado in there. <laughs> and you get those healthy fats, exactly. Yeah, brain fog can also be a. Uh, directly related to not enough carbs, so maybe having a small oh. piece of fruit on the side. Okay. Oh, Kelly? Hmm. Who you. would have thought it'd be the carbs? <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Dang carbs. I'm definitely not a, a carb-phobic dietitian. I don't think there are many out there, but the reality is that after the surgery, there's physically not as much space for mm-hmm. carbohydrates, so being very selective at choosing the right ones in reasonable quantities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the surgery doesn't make you eat a certain way. It's possible to still eat a lot of carbs. Yeah. But if you're focusing on protein, you're focusing on including vegetables at every meal, there's just not always a lot of space for yeah, There's not things. room exactly. for it. Yeah. Because yeah. I'll be full after the meat and then just a, like a broccoli. Well, we were eating the scramble yesterday and I'm like, oh, I'm already full, but it's mm-hmm. so good. <laughs> I know we both had to take breaks. Yep, yep. We take breaks and then we come back to it later. And yeah, there you go. Yeah. We just let it Listen to out. your body. Exactly. That's, I mean, that's a big one is listening to your I would say so to your for body, sure. listening to your stomach and then when it tells you to stop stop because it can be painful if you don't um 100 okay so now we know carbs is you can minus the fiber off yes um because of the absorption it, it just pushes everything out yes so now so the the we know everybody wants to know how many carbs how many carbs do we consume what all, in a day wait what all goes in the carb label like is it just fiber or what else is in there so that we can minus off. Is there anything else? Unfortunately, there's nothing else you can minus off. She's <laughs> <laughs> trying to work this system. I, mean, I guess you but <laughs> So fiber is going to be, so the nothing else being minus off, but things that okay. would be considered carbohydrates would be obviously the fiber um, and then added sugars. So that would be under the carb section as okay. well. So okay. if you're looking at, say, the label on a yogurt, um, lactose is uh, is a sh- type of sugar. Mm-hmm. So there is going to be some amount of carbohydrate in yogurt. Um, even if you're looking at a plain label, I have patients ask me all the time, like, I even looked at the plain one, Ellen, and there's sugar in it. Well, there's not added sugar. It's sort of, um, it. it's just naturally occurring. Yeah. Um, but then there are yogurts that are real sugar bombs and mm-hmm. they do add a lot of added sugar. Mm-hmm. So fortunately, that is a requirement on the food label to put in added sugars. So when you're comparing something like yogurt, you can be intentional about Okay, I know they're both going to have some carbohydrate, but I'm going to choose the one that's higher protein and lower added sugar. Got it. Okay, that's good. That's a good tip. I'm just checking. She's, she's checking the the Premier Protein Bar. You know, so like because we have we have questions about sugar. So is sugar all within the carb then too? It is. Yes. Oh, yes. So see. all of those little indented. Um, generally not bolded uh, categories underneath the total carbohydrates. Those are all Uh, part of the carbohydrate. It's like an outline. Exactly. It totally is. Yeah. And when it says um, includes added sugars under the total sugars, that's another indention. So that means that's part of the total sugars. Uh, Okay. Yes. Yes. Mind blown. But sometimes that's a little too much to focus on. If you're just looking at quick glance, the thing that matters the most is the fiber and the added sugars. Okay. You know, okay. Choosing choosing more of the good stuff, more protein, more fiber, less of the bad stuff, the bad right. fats, and um, and the, the sugars. added sugars. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So then, how much carbs do you need in a day? <laughs> so we don't have really solid 
um, macronutrient goals mm-hmm. outside of protein for post weight loss surgery patients. Um, but in general, uh, we think that the brain uses somewhere around 130 grams just to be functioning day to day. So that is usually if if patients are pushing me for a hard number, generally the amount that I that I give them. Now for those folks just out of surgery, mm-hmm. that is so far in the future for them. (laughs) It takes a lot, a lot of time to get to uh, a gram goal like that. And and some patients may physically never get there. And some patients um, might exceed that if they're um, not, not putting protein and and, uh, veggies first. So So you, you just to highlight for our newly post-op people. So obviously check with your surgeon first, make sure that they don't have specific goals for you. But don't focus on carbs for the first what year six months i think the goal that mel mentioned earlier a year of just protein and fluid okay protein yeah. and fluid okay what what happens is sometimes when you're becoming hyper focused on something else you lose focus of the things that matter the most yes right. and then you're not yes. focusing on the, the protein and the fluid so i don't okay. think it's it's wrong to take a peek at carbs and make make sure that you're choosing healthy foods but hopefully that's something uh you know a pattern that you were already starting to get into Mm -hmm. and taking a look at labels and making better choices in the preoperative period awesome Um, and especially for diabetics because a lot of patients pursuing the surgery are diabetics and that's something they they do have to be very very um, careful of during weight loss because they're not consuming as much but may have to consume some for blood sugar management definitely yeah okay insulin levels and everything yeah yeah well yeah because it's you can totally tell body type and um your genetics plays some sort of uh what is that we'll wait till that wow that was very loud (laughs) wow um you can what i was yeah, I think we're good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're yeah. good. Okay, so what, like I was saying, was that the fact that body types really play a role because we almost lost the exact same amount of weight. Mm-hmm. I mean, our starting points were different. Like I was 308 and I lost 128 pounds or 29 pounds. And I and, was 265. And then how much have you lost? 100, right around 120. 120. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like I'm kind of built to be like more stockier, more thicker on my thighs and my like waist area and everything else is fine. It's just like for you, you're very like, lean very thin which i never thought that that would be a term used for me right uh, never in a million years would i say oh she's gonna be lean her body type's lean nope you have a lean body type well thank you appreciate yeah. it we're at a point now with the surgery where we have some pretty good predictors of of what the response is going to be based on things like gender, ethnicity, medical conditions but no two journeys are exactly the same no. and mm-hmm. it's it's hard Hard to compare. Exactly. Oh, almost had a visitor. All right. <laughs> um, so sugar alcohol. What is it? What is it? And Because we see it in a lot of items that we review, such as protein items, protein bars, some protein drinks. So we're just kind of curious. But before we go there for one second with the sugars, is that the sugars are, lo- are looped into the carbs. Yes. So now what is these sugars looped into? So sugar alcohols are um, naturally occurring in some foods, but when we're finding them in, in things like bars or, um, you know, products that we want to taste sweet, like protein or candies or cookies, mm-hmm. um, they are a carbohydrate that's been processed differently to have fewer calories 
um, for the same level of sweetness. So they oh. do contribute some amount of carbohydrate, mm-hmm. um, unlike um, non-nutritive sweeteners like aspartame or sucralose splenda. Okay. 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 So in, in essence, it's it's not an alcohol. There's no ethanol, so they're not going to get you drunk, but it's it's a sweet compound that's that's processed to um, have fewer calories and contribute fewer carbohydrates. Is oh. that what makes certain things have that horrible aftertaste? They all all sweeteners that are including sugar, have some unique taste. So okay. yes, they they do have a very unique flavor. Okay. And many people will say the same things about stevia or mm-hmm. they like a specific diet beverage better than another and they don't know it, but it's because they really like um, Splenda better than asulfame potassium, for example. Okay. So Okay. All right. That makes sense. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. So now we know... The thing to be careful about with sugar alcohols, you may have heard this before, if you overdo it, especially in, in candies, um, they can cause diarrhea. Oh, so okay. uh, many, uh-huh. many, uh, lots of jokes on the internet. I know there's like an Amazon gummy bear something. I don't remember. Someone <laughs> 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 an entire bag of sugar-free oh, gummy bears. And it's oh, my. Oh, Anyways, wow. yeah. there, okay. there are some of the, the talls, all the sugar alcohols and in all, there are some of the talls that in large quantities can cause um, some GI Okay, distress. So I have, watch out for that. Yeah, because <laughs> I've seen problems with um, the sugar-free um, puddings. Yes. Overeating, oh. having, I'm, I haven't had that problem, but I've, I've known people that have. Yep. And oh, yeah. it's a thing. Because they're, they're okay. like, hey, try this, smell it, tastes good, but don't have too much. And I was like, <laughs> why? What does that mean? I was like, what's going on there? Well, now I'm curious. Yes. What happened to you? Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like the dumping syndrome almost. Is, is that, I mean... It's it's not the same reaction. So, it's not mm-hmm. dumping syndrome, but dumping syndrome can be characterized by... Um, diarrhea so mm-hmm. yeah okay. could be okay. <laughs> could okay. be a very similar response okay, okay. All right. and i know that's kind of off subject but what is exactly is dumping syndrome because i don't i don't think i felt anything like that with my surgery i know i didn't so so dumping syndrome is unique to the gastric bypass so okay. sleeve patients can still experience um uncomfortable symptoms if they eat the wrong food sometimes the first couple of months can just be a little wonky so even if you're choosing the right foods you'll have a um, a bad reaction to a food or it just doesn't sit well and feels like mm-hmm. it's going to come back up okay. but dumping syndrome is is unique to the gastric bypass um, tends to happen with things that are high sugar um, or high fat so um, introducing uh, greasy french fries too fast or um, you know taking a few bites i had a patient have a terrible reaction after he got a sunday just a month mm. after surgery oh, so, oh no <laughs> back away <laughs> no don't do that it's just as unpleasant as it sounds it's diarrhea cramping mm. nausea vomiting it's a uh, a reaction of of um basically the food passing way too quickly um, directly oh. into the intestines and kind of a rush of hormone um, to try and, and mitigate uh, the response. And it's, it often just goes right on through. So, wow. Could that be in connection with what we would consider slider foods? So more of a, like you're going to have more of a dumping syndrome with a slider food because it's moving so quickly. So typically happens with foods that are high in concentrated sugar. So okay. something like candy, ice cookies, cream. ice cream. Okay. So um, I guess, yes, because those often are what we would call the quote unquote slider foods okay. that just go on down and don't give us a lot of fullness. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. 
Back sugar to alcohol, the, yep. Back to the label. Yeah. <laughs> we, like, we like to bounce around. Oh, yeah. eventually, <laughs> eventually, we'll get the whole label right, I swear. <laughs> so I think the last thing we were looking at on this particular label was protein. And the Premier has the... Um, has a little lower, 20 grams. Well, this particular premier product, the new one with the oats. Yes. And uh, the Lean Shake has 25 grams. So um, these these labels are really very comparable. You okay. can't get everything in every product. Correct. So at the expense of having less fiber, mm -hmm. um, a little less um, carbohydrate, the, the GNC product has more protein. Mm -hmm. But for someone who's really struggling with constipation and maybe not really having a hard time getting enough protein, they might make the choice to go with the premier product so that they can boost their fiber content for the huh. day a little bit more. That's okay. a good way of looking at it. I like so, it. Post weight loss surgery, probably the, um, I was going to, I initially was going to say the GNC would be better because it's higher protein and it's so physically difficult to get it in, but it's yes. also three fluid ounces more. So yeah. pretty, pretty comparable in that regard. Yes. Um, the guidelines that I generally give my patients are choose a shake with at least 20 grams of protein um, that's low sugar and low fat. So okay. <clears throat> very simple. Yes. Less than three grams of fat, less than five grams of sugar. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and then typically I remember after a surgery with the liquid diet, you have to have like what, two, three of those a day or four of those a day or something like that. So I, um, we recommend for our patients 60 to 80 grams. Yeah, okay. Um, when I meet with them postoperatively, I give them a more unique protein goal, um, based on their, their height and their weight, um, activity level, but right off the bat, we give everyone the same generic goal, which is 60 to 80. So um, that's a good point to get to 60 with the, the traditional premier shake, for example, would only be two. But for a early post-op patient, they're going to have to do three of these, which is 11 more ounces to get to 60. So Ooh, okay. that's something that a that a early post-op patient might want to consider that this one is less. 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 Okay, Because <laughs> I know I was having a huge problem trying to balance water and protein. Because I felt like all day long, all I was doing was drinking something. <laughs> it's truly a full-time job. It is. It like truly the, is. The timers were going off and I'm just like, <laughs> yep. I'm not even ready yet. I'm not, I'm not thirsty. Um, I'm not hungry. Mm -hmm. 100%, 100%. We had a follower yes. message us and she was like, I feel like all I'm doing is eating or drinking protein shakes and trying to drink water. And Melanie's like, welcome to your new life. <laughs> like, that's what your life is going to be for the next year. Basically. I'm like, this is what, this is just what it is. This is what you signed up for. It's definitely yeah. harder newly post-op, but yes, I mean, you definitely have to continue to get in your protein, in your water every single day. Yes. Or yes. you feel it. Lots of patients ask, do I have to take two weeks off of work to, to go back? And and while you may be able to physically go back sooner, depending on the nature of your job, it's kind of nice to have a couple weeks just to figure out getting in enough. Mm -hmm. And the, the nature of work is that we get distracted and it's harder to remember to drink your water bottle. And then it's been three hours and oh crap, I haven't even started my second shake. And so mm -hmm. it's nice to take that time to just figure out your new normal. Definitely. I like that because I took off, I think, three weeks. I didn't work at that time. Yeah. So it was nice to be able to get a routine down and because I didn't go back to work. I think it was two months post-op was when I got my job. So it was, it was nice to be able to completely focus on my food. Sure. Have that time to figure it out. <laughs> exactly. Or try to at least. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's an all day event. So, <laughs> so is there a type of protein that is better than another? Cause I know that we've kind of, I've heard from several people like isolate protein is better 
or um, ways way. better or a blend of the two is better? What I, Or is it just protein? So um, proteins are classified by, um, well, they're made up of amino acids. Some, mm-hmm. some um, folks might have heard of that term. Mm-hmm. And some proteins have all of the amino acids. So that means they're considered a complete protein. Okay. While some um, proteins are not complete. They don't have all the amino acids. So if you think about like a Jenga block, a complete protein would have all the, all the Jenga blocks there, while an incomplete protein might not have all the Jenga blocks there. Okay. That doesn't mean that the incomplete products are bad, um, but if you are only consuming liquid, say mm-hmm. right after surgery, yes. if you're choosing an incomplete protein source, your body's still going to have to rob your muscles in order to, to be able to metabolize that ah, protein. Okay. okay. So uh, yes, there are definitely differences. Okay. So complete protein sources are animal-based, um, so meat, mm-hmm. dairy, which is why mm-hmm. uh, most are using a whey whey product or dairy-based protein shake products. Okay. Actually, soy um, is also uh, that it would be a plant-based complete protein. Okay. Um, Now, I've heard that males should not be doing the soy. Is that actually accurate or not? So soy has been a a very controversial Mm -hmm. topic for quite a while, but really the myths around soy have been debunked. We know that soy in reasonable balance is perfectly safe. Um, There could be some medical conditions out there where they should avoid it. But in general, soy is absolutely considered safe. So it's fine for guys to drink soy. Yes. 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 Okay. Awesome. Okay. All right, fellas, drink your soy. <laughs> it's totally fine. Marcus, drink your soy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think like what I feel bad for, for the medical industry is that like the echo chamber is so big for that. And then like all the garbage just goes out and like no one ever tries to fact check it. And so now all these myths are there and they're stuck. Well, and it's hard to know what's real and what's not. I mean, there's, you know, we've heard that soy is bad for guys. So you're like, oh, well, you can't drink that soy. But then there's other things that say whey is not good for you. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to know which is accurate and which isn't. Mm -hmm. I I definitely didn't anticipate that part of being a dietitian that I, that I feel like sometimes I'm just a fact checker. Like, oh, actually, and it can be really difficult to approach with patients because sometimes Mm -hmm. we have really strong feelings about things. Like, no, I had a really bad experience with this. This Mm -hmm. happened to my friend. I'm not going to go there. Um, But, you know, even though maybe the information came from um, a source online that wasn't credible valid yeah Yeah. okay so it it, there's a lot of information out there but there also there's also a lot of sites that have really really good information and we we have those sources so trying to piece those out okay makes sense so back to the jenga block yes so incomplete proteins would are usually plant-based proteins okay so Mm -hmm. things like rice protein or pea protein some of these um, newer protein products that are coming out and often marketed as vegan, which more more folks are going the vegetarian vegan route. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean they're bad, but if you're only relying on pea protein right after surgery, you don't have a complete Jenga block, your body's going to rob okay. muscle stores. Now, where you guys are now, you know, consuming a, a, a diet with a lot of balance, mm-hmm. that's okay. Your body pieces together all of those amino acids. You don't have to worry okay. about only com- consuming the most complete best options. It's okay. 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 Um, so in terms of um, like whey protein, so mm-hmm. we know now whey protein is a, is a complete protein. Mm-hmm. So dairy has, um, is an inexpensive source of protein in general mm-hmm. um, and uh, easy to ma- manipulate to make a, a high quality protein shake. What they do is they 
remove the liquid essentially and and then they've got concentrated protein and then can make a more concentrated product out of out of dairy interesting that's nice so you're removing the liquid to put the liquid back in in essence, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All so, right. So that's why Premier is, you know, dairy-based, whey-based, okay. but it's not the same as glass of milk. Okay. So dairy has two types of protein in it, whey and casein. So some people do better with whey. Some do better with casein. If okay. you're reading a product that says something like um, milk protein concentrate, it's more than likely just a mix of, of both of them. They just okay. haven't separated those two. If you're... Okay. If you don't experience stomach upset or any problems with a concentrate, then that's fine. It's not okay. necessarily lower quality. Whey protein is um, kind of known to be an, an easier to digest protein. Okay. So those out there with lactose intolerance or who are more sensitive to dairy might do better with a whey protein isolate. Okay. That was my next question was um, for the people that are lactose intolerant, what would they use? So you're saying whey protein would be good for them? Yes. Yeah, so there are okay. lactose-free dairy-based products right and generally whey protein Mm -hmm. isolates um the whey protein has been isolated so it's been separated from everything else that's in the milk and um because casein is part of the diet the lactose right i was trying to remember because my kids lactose intolerant and so i think they said if you see anything that says casein on it don't give it to them so casein is is one of the types of protein where lactose is actually the milk sugar, gotcha. um, but it's possible that a casein product could still have lactose in it. Gotcha. Um, okay. The, the good thing about lactose intolerance is it's on a spectrum. So generally folks fall somewhere in the middle. You know, of course we see those that have very extreme lactose intolerance and really should consume absolutely no dairy or they're going to be in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And then those are like, well, I do okay with some cheese as long as I don't overdo it, or I can have one or two scoops of ice cream, but I can't have a whole bowl and piece pizza. <laughs> so it's it's often yeah. um, dose dependent or, you know, just being careful about. Okay. Because yeah, we notice with hard cheeses, he's fine. Mm-hmm. But any soft cheeses, sour creams, stuff like that is like, no, no, no. Yes. Um, not happening. <laughs> and hard cheeses are lower lactose cheeses. So that totally makes uh, sense. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. She does that every time. Every time. It never it. fails. It never so fails. So is there anything on the label left that we need to ask that our viewers wanted us to ask her? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that was about it. Um, okay. We did want to touch on... Um, we touched on that. Diet soda. Yes. I want to talk about diet diet soda. (laughs) Because aspartame, like, I I need to understand Mm -hmm. that. Yes. And not to mention, it's the bubbly. It's carbonated. So we're not supposed to have carbonation, correct? So the the idea behind carbonation is that it might stretch out the stomach. And Ah. that was, that's really kind of an old way of thinking. There's not any good evidence to support that. So um, we do not tell patients that they have to avoid carbonation forever. Oh. Um, but I, some patients will say, I don't tolerate it. And others are like, it actually doesn't bother me. Yeah, I don't it hurts really mind. Me. Yeah. And I had a little bit and it wasn't, it didn't bother me really. I mean, but I let it sit. It wasn't soda. I, I had my first alcohol drink <laughs> and it was uh, the ciders. And so I literally had like this much, but I like how I'm justifying it to you. Um, <laughs> Like, don't look at me like that. I, mean, I don't actually just sit and judge no, people. No, <laughs> I feel like I need to judge it and justify it for you. But anyways, so I let it sit out and like dissipate with the bubbles a little bit. And then I took my sips. Yeah. But yeah, it didn't, I mean, it didn't bug me. 
very yeah. much at all. It just gives me the burps and then it hurts. Huh? So. Yeah, that's not unusual. Some people do say that and others are like, I have, you know, my diet soda every day or whatever. It's not necessarily the carbonation that's the demon. It's all the added sugars and how we're how we're consuming the carbonation and what's so. in it. Right. Correct. Yes. All right. So let's get back to that diet soda thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Tell us all about it. <laughs> so artificial sweeteners are a hot, hot topic in the nutrition world right now. Okay. And um, artificial sweeteners, sometimes they're referred to as non-nutritive sweeteners because okay. they're not absorbed, um, which is why they don't contribute any calories or, or sugar. Ah. Um, basically, all products that taste sweet but have low sugar on the label, have some sort of an artificial or non-nutritive sweetener in them. Okay. So some products are more clearly labeled like, um, you know, Gatorade Zero or mm -hmm. Diet Coke. Um, mm -hmm. But Premier is doing the same thing. It's low sugar and it tastes really, really sweet. So mm -hmm. all, all of those sorts of products are going to have some sort of, of a non-nutritive sweetener. Okay. So non-nutritive sweeteners were designed to not contribute calories and not contribute sugar. So came from a really good place. We know it's been well studied that sugar is bad news. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a firm believer that all foods fit. Some foods just fit a little bit better. Um, okay. But from a health standpoint, we know sugar doesn't bring a lot of nutrition right. bang for for buck. Maybe it makes us happy every now and then, and can be cultural and all of those things. Okay. I'm not I'm not an anti sugar dietitian, <laughs> but um, from from a um, medical standpoint, we know it doesn't do a lot of good stuff. Yes. So, so um, sugar substitutes, if swapped out for a sugar sweetened alternative, seems like it would be a good thing. It mm -hmm. is contributing less sugar, less calories. So um, maybe there is a benefit. It might reduce heart disease. It might reduce hypertension. It might reduce um, high blood sugars or the risk of getting type 2 diabetes if we're consuming fewer sugars okay so so that there's there's one side of it for uh someone who is a diabetic we know that if you're consuming a lot of mountain dew that's just not not good yeah. and so swapping out for diet mountain dew for example is going to be fewer calories fewer sugar um, most likely we're going to see better um, diabetes control okay. okay so there's there's a side of it when it comes to um, some of the studies that have come out, they're all over the place. Mm -hmm. And there's, um, so while we're, we're aiming for something good to swap out sugar, there's a lot of controversial evidence out there. Um, so interestingly enough, there have been a, quite a few studies that suggest that even in, in folks who are choosing an artificially sweetened products, at the end of the day, they're not seeing weight loss. And so mm -hmm. what's going on? Um, some of them are thinking maybe it's because of the artificial sweetener. Maybe that's what's causing it. Others are thinking maybe it's this mental piece where since we know we're choosing something lower calorie, we're actually compensating uh, elsewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, there's also some thought and some some data to suggest that because it's not contributing any nutrition, even carbohydrates, that it's not telling our brain that we're getting full. Where if we're uh -huh. having something that's sugary, that does have calories, that we might be registering fullness different. So perhaps it's affecting what we're consuming later on. Interesting. Yes. The brain is interesting. Yes. I love it. Yes. We, yeah, it is. I'm <laughs> loving this. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. There, you're fine. Take your time. <laughs> he could edit out the little. Great. Great. Yeah. 
I think probably the, the biggest um, claim that I ask patients ask me to talk about is whether or not they cause cancer. Mm. So the, the American Cancer Society um, and, and the American Institute for Cancer Research um, both tell us that there's not strong evidence to support that. Okay. Um, most of the studies that came out back in the 70s and 80s were in rats. Um, one of them was um, involving aspartame, which is a highly, highly, highly researched um, product. And they they later found that although it did show that might cause cancer, that actually there were a lot of holes in the research. So they were dosing the rats so high, it was the equivalent of somewhere between ranges from eight to 2,000 equivalents of diet sodas a day. Whoa. So we know that that's not really a fair way to test in in, um, humans and and in adults. Um, By the way, um, non-nutritive sweeteners are made to be, to have anywhere from 100 to 200 times the same sweetness as sugar. So for a very small quantity, we get a very, very sweet product. So aspartame is a sugar. Is that what I'm understanding? It would be an artificial sweetener, a non-nutritive sweetener. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. But we're saying it's really strong. Correct. Okay. Correct. So for a very, very small quantity of aspartame, we're getting an equivalently sweetened product that would be sweetened with sugar. Okay. If that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, there was another study that um, done in rats um, on saccharin, uh, which is sweet and low. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to remember the color packet. <laughs> it's pink. 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 Yep. Yes. My mom would take yep. them from the table. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, similar that saccharin actually in that study they found that saccharin is not processed in adu- in humans the same way that it's processed in rats so there was an initial oh. concern that maybe it caused bladder cancer but then they found that it was processed in totally totally different ways and so it couldn't be replicated in in humans so hmm. the the cancer research is not strong they're still testing it aspartame is i think the most researched food product out there Whoa. um I'm, right. I'm, I'm, There's so much drama around it. I, I know, know, I know. Yeah. I'm mixing up saccharin and, and aspartame. So those were two rat studies, but no, that's okay. Um, yeah. So when it comes to uh, heart disease, um, there's also not established uh, relationship between um, cardiovascular disease or heart disease and sugar substitutes. Um, however, um, there there are some studies that suggest that consuming too much may lead to to problems. And so not a clear cause and effect there, but um, maybe swapping out one a day or one every couple days versus, you know, four plus a day, for example, okay. might, might be something to consider. So we are kind of putting down here that like, if someone's like a crazy soda drinker and then they swap to a diet, that is good. That is better for them is what we're understanding. It is a better decision Jim. overall. Yeah, but it it's sounds not like it. good for you. I, yeah, I think you can make. I, I think each person can make that decision for themselves. Okay. If they're gonna have, if you're gonna have a Coca Cola once a month because you're going over to your grandma's house and that's all she stocks in the fridge, you know, you might say, "I, I never have any of these things, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna have a Coca Cola." Right. And someone who comes to me and says, "Ellen, I am not going to stop drinking soda. I'm not mm-hmm. ready." Maybe a a bridge is trying to get to a diet product just to get the sugar down. Mm-hmm, um, okay. You know, I had a patient the other day who said, Ellen, I've been tracking my calories and 
um, or my sugar even before we had ever even met. And, and he figured out he was consuming somewhere around 4,000 calories just in soda. Whoa. So that's a very different Whoa. scenario than yes. someone who's having one here and there. So okay. for that particular patient, uh, the diet soda was an excellent bridge to mm. hopefully try and get to a place where we're doing more water and tea and those things where yes. you don't have to worry about the artificially sweetened products. Well, so, and you know, right after surgery, you're not able to drink carbonation. So, I mean, that's kind of the end result, right? Is to get them off of it completely before surgery. Yes. Okay. Hopefully that's where we're going. Okay. So, I, you know, I think in a nutshell, it's, it's better to go with water, mm-hmm. but not everyone can jump straight from a soda addiction to water. It's so, a real addiction to some people. Well, cause I mean, you saw, you see my husband, like he, yeah. he loves soda and we in two liters. He drinks them in two liters. He doesn't even put them in the fridge. He just straight like fix it up, drinks it. Like it's yeah, Marcus just gave you the side eye. It's ridiculous. What? It's insane. I, his mom does it too. It's they literally just do that. They like their soda warm and or room temperature, which, is so which gross. baffles me. Yeah. Um. But like he, we've gradually gone where it's like okay, he has his root beer, his two liter root beer. And now he'll drink it all day long. And then the next time, like now it's it's diet root beer. And now I've got them on the Crystal Light Fruit Punch. And they go through that like crazy. So which, by the way, I forgot to pick up when we were at the store. Because <laughs> like, yeah, they go through one of those boxes in like two days. And they're drinking water. Like it's all freaking water. But now I'm like, we had to gradually go through the line of getting them off soda. <laughs> because it's a real addiction. It is, like you said, a bridge. It is. Yeah. yeah. And... There's we the nature of humans is that we have a palate for things that are sweet and it mm-hmm. starts from childhood and unfortunately in a lot of childhood products like Capri Suns and, mm-hmm. and fruit snacks and all of these sweet things that we think of traditional kid foods. Um, and so it's just not always practical to say, hey, honey, I don't want you drinking root beer anymore. Let's just switch to water. Yeah. And that's not always going to be well received or yes. practical. No, so not at all. I, I believe that uh, the artificial sweeteners certainly play a role and can be a tool. Are they a health food? Absolutely not. Are they good for us? Probably not. Right. But are they better than all the sugar if it's being consumed in a large quantity? Yeah. And sometimes we need sweetness. The cool thing about the crystal light packets or um, the powdered mixes is that if being used as a bridge to get to just water, you can use less and less and kind mm-hmm. of try and wean yourself mm-hmm. off of that sweet flavor. So there yeah. is some concern that um, over consuming or in large quantities consuming artificially sweetened products um, uh, encourages our, our palate to to want more sweet. Right. Oh, um, and yeah, especially yeah. because they are so sweet and so much more sweet even than just um, the equivalent of sugar. It's hard for sugar. us because I think we went so long without a ton of sugar mm-hmm. that like even eating these protein bars can be too sweet. Can be too sweet. We're yeah. like, oh nope, nope, yeah. can't do that. So it's interesting for somebody to be like sweet, sweet, sweet. And then for us to be like, no, (laughs) too much. Back (laughs) off, back off of the sweetness. And I have a very sensitive palate to the artificial sugar. I can taste it no matter what. It's insane. And I'm like, nope, can't eat that. Because I'm like, I don't taste anything. It's fine. Exactly. That's a cool testament and probably some encouragement for listeners that you truly can change your palate. Mm, It's tough. mm -hmm. And, um, you know, weight loss surgery is sort of kind of that reset in a sense. We're like, okay, Mm -hmm. now I physically can't have that for a while. So I don't have another option. Mm -hmm. But um, you you truly can change your palate. But you're also um, totally right that different sweeteners have different flavors. Mm -hmm. And um, 
And especially after surgery, sometimes senses are heightened where you taste things that you didn't pick up on before. So okay. you may be um, sometimes pulling that from the the sweetener. Okay. Yeah. I think the one last question I have, I don't know if there's more on the list or anything because I think well, we're running out of time. But um, <laughs> I do know my, because Kelly does have autoimmune diseases. Now, for our friends out there that have the same, should they be on a different type of diet or should they... Um, ignore, not ignore, but not have certain types of foods. Cause I know with the, um, inflammation part, like more sugars, right. Cause inflammation in the body. Mm-hmm. So should they have like a lower count of sugars throughout the day? Should they just be more aware? Like what, what should we do for our autoimmune friends? So autoimmune diseases are very complicated and it's essentially the body not liking itself and, and <laughs> wanting to turn on itself, yeah. so, which we don't really understand. Yep. My body hates me. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I've come to terms with it. So uh, although autoimmune diseases are not my um, area of expertise, yes. um, my experience is that it's it's unique for the person. And there may be certain trigger foods for one mm-hmm. person that are totally different in another person. And that can be hard to tease out um, for each person. And certainly those that are, you know, autoimmune that are more GI related, um, okay, um, maybe different than um, one that's more muscular and joint. um, And joint. Yes. So, um, you know, obesity is a um, uh, inflammatory disease process. And so there's going to be a lot of inflammation just as the body is, is, um, uh, chronically stressed just from from that state. Then on top of that, sure, where we have maybe diet choices are making playing a role, like sugar that mm-hmm. you mentioned. So um, I wouldn't say that there's one specific diet that I would suggest following. I would try and get okay. more information from my patient. Have you found that there are certain foods that make it worse? Are there foods that make you feel better? Um, and often when we start thinking about it and maybe even adding in a food journal with symptoms, mm. um, including things like stress, because it's not always about food, yeah, exactly. um, especially with autoimmune. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to just say for every one person that there's going to be certain things. So but. they need to just maybe have a food journal and talk to your surgeon then yeah. or your doctor. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I had one last question sure. that was on the list. Yeah. Um, it was some tips and tricks to make good decisions. Yeah. All right. So I bet if you asked this to a hundred dietitians, you would get a hundred different responses. I love it. But I want to know, like, I want to know from everybody. I want to be like, what are your tips and tricks? Because mm-hmm. I know ours would be different. So oh, totally. So I would say that my first uh, recommendation is to practice environmental control. Okay. That's a really complicated term that just means be careful about what comes into your home. Mm-hmm. You know, we, it's it it is not uh, human nature. Or excuse me, it's human nature that when we know there's something there, it speaks to us, and we want to eat it. And yes. if it's not there, chances are we're not going to put a bra on and, and put clothes <laughs> on and leave yes. the house to go get that food. We're going to say, okay, you didn't really need it anyways. You can go get it this weekend or whatever. Yes. So being careful about what comes into your home. I often hear from patients, well, I have to keep it in the house for the kids. Well, if it's a food that that you know you shouldn't be eating, probably the kids don't need it either. They can get it when they go out or go to the movies or it can be a special treat. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, sometimes spouses can be a little challenging and, um, you know, we're women sitting here, but this could go, you know, both directions and working with male patients. Sometimes um, their, um, their partners are bringing in foods. And so sometimes sitting down, having that conversation saying, Hey, I'm really tempted by this type of cookie. Could you please not buy it? And, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, 
Um, folks are willing to make changes and other times they're not. But some things that I've heard from patients is I really don't like oatmeal raisin. I love chocolate chip. So now he gets that kind and I'm not yeah. tempted by it. Oh, there you, that's yeah. a good tip. Well, well it's, it's kind of like when Eric made that food when we were doing our liquid reset and mm. he was like, you're not going to like it. It's gross. Don't even look at it. It's, it's awful. It and, wasn't. It wasn't awful. <laughs> no, it's he, was yeah, he, he was trying. Yeah, it worked. It totally worked because, like, I was like, "Oh, okay." And then, like, he ate it still. Which we will do that. Like, we'll make a food, and even if it's not the greatest, we're gonna finish it. You know, like mm-hmm. we're just like we, it's just human nature. Yeah, to we're finish like, what's on your plate. Yeah, so he it did. Is. And then when he came back for seconds, I was like, "Oh, it's actually good, huh?" And <laughs> oh, he's no. like, "You liar!" And he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm just trying to help." I'm like, "No, it totally did because it, it turned off like the sensor of like I want that." Mm-hmm. It was gone. So yeah. sometimes we do just have, have to trick our brains. But me too. Yeah. Sometimes it's as easy as having uh, a diff- a food put into an opaque container because when we see things, that makes mm-hmm. us instantly think about it. So sometimes okay. it's hey, put it up on the top shelf and put it in that mm-hmm. container that we can't see through, and then I don't I don't think about it. Okay. So sometimes there are some tips that way. Um, environmental control could also mean not having a candy bowl on your desk at work. Yes. Um, I mm-hmm. can think of lots of my patients say, oh, I just have to keep that stash and everyone likes to come and chat with me about that. But if it's affecting your health, because every day at 2 p.m. when you're feeling sluggish, you grab a couple fun size candy bars, mm. then maybe finding another option, not mm-hmm. not having that where you're controlling your temptations better. So, or changing it. So like put almonds out yeah. or, you know, something that's not a candy yeah, right. changing the environment. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So that would probably be my first tip. My um, my second tip, I I harp a lot um, with my patients about spending some amount of time planning ahead. Okay. And um, I am certainly not someone who suggests that everyone is doing Pinterest prepping and <laughs> perfect containers, more power to them, and that's great. Um, but meal planning doesn't have to look like that. Um, but sitting down and spending a few minutes on the weekend or whenever you have time and thinking about what meals you're going to have, what mm-hmm. snacks make sense based on um, how late you're going to be up recording in the studio mm-hmm. this night. I'm not going to have time to cook a meal from scratch. So maybe mm-hmm. I should budget for um, Blue Apron or, or HelloFresh. Sometimes those meal um, prep programs can mean um, something to folks. Yeah. Don't be oh. afraid to take shortcuts. Mm-hmm. It's okay to buy pre-chopped onions if you hate <laughs> chopping onions. Yes. <laughs> If that makes your dinner a little bit easier to make, more power to you. Yeah, yeah, they have like those hard-boiled eggs that are already ready to go and peeled. Yeah, I love those. Like, yeah. There it's you go. so much easier to make like egg salad because you don't have to peel anything. You just throw a couple in the bowl. and Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and that's okay. They're not any less nutritious. And if it makes it, if the alternative is I'm going to swing by and get something at the restaurant because I'm not going to go home and boil eggs, wait on them to cool mm-hmm. and peel them and make egg salad. Yeah. And the clear option is spend another dollar more and buy them pre-boiled. So exactly. that's a perfect example. Okay. So Thanks. I, um, I feel strongly about spending some, some time planning and, and sometimes getting kids involved or getting your spouse yeah. involved. Hey, what sounds good to you this week? Let's plan ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a huge benefit is often you save a little bit of money. So, you, do. you know, I'm I'm joking about spending a little bit more on pre-cut <laughs> onions, but really when you're not wasting as much, you usually spend less. So oh, that's... yeah. I mean, we can, me and my husband, I mean, we can easily spend $30 at a, me, at, at a restaurant because I'm like, I want my thing and he wants his thing. I may only eat a quarter of it, but I mean, that's $30 and that's, I mean, that's two meals right there that you could buy in the store plus have leftovers. Oh, yeah. So. 
for sure. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. My third tip, and um, this one might sound kind of crazy, but sometimes we have to own our decisions. Mm. Make a decision that you're going to enjoy some Milano cookies and sit down at a table and put the cookies on a plate and eat them and enjoy them. You know, a lot of this goes back to this um, judgmental thinking and goes down, goes back to self-talk. And so this is a a much more loaded response than just uh, a flat recommendation. But um, I, you know, so often I'm chatting with my patients like, oh, I was cleaning the house on Saturday. And every time I walked by the cookies, I ate one. And by the time I got to the bottom, I was so mad at myself. I ate the whole thing. And every single cookie, I said, you're so stupid. Why did you even eat this cookie? Mm. You didn't, you ate the whole pack. You didn't even enjoy a single cookie. That's awful. (laughs) Sit down and eat three cookies and enjoy them. Yeah. And then move on. Mm. It was just a couple cookies. It's fine. It's yeah. okay. If you're going to make the decision to to eat those things, make the decision and then and then move on with life. It's just a couple cookies. It's just one meal. Mm-hmm. But when we get off track and we just keep going and going and going and then we end up in Utah and how did we get here? You know, yep. having a plan to to redirect and allow it to just be that. It was mm-hmm. just one decision. It was just a couple cookies. It was just a meal next meal doesn't have to be um, another decision like that. Sweet. We're on to something. We've been saying that. We've been saying that since the beginning. We're like, do it, own it, and move move on. on. (laughs) Accept the behavior and just move on. Corrected the next meal. We've been telling people to stop waiting till Monday. Mm -hmm. Do it the next meal. Absolutely. And if that meal was at night, do it in the morning. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I was thinking of the fact that we both had ice cream over the weekend. Like, and it was the first time I'd had full, like, full ice cream. But I was like, you know what? I want it. I've been craving it. I'm going to have it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to move on. Yep. And that's exactly what I did. And she did the exact same thing. We, did. we didn't even talk to each other. <laughs> we both had ice cream almost literally at the same time. Yes. In different states. And it was quite hilarious. Yep. Pretty much. And you're both here to tell the tale. Yep. Exactly. As we lived and it's fine. Yeah, it and like, I didn't gain any weight from it because I was very mindful of like, okay, I'm going to have my portion. And then when I'm full, I'm handing it to Cody. And then Cody finished it. <laughs> that's fine. Now, some people draw hard lines in the sand and say, mm-hmm. I'm just not going to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, very different in someone who's in their the period of rapid weight loss mm-hmm. um, versus someone who's at uh, or close to their goal weight. Mm-hmm. You know, someone who is just out of surgery at two months, I, I sometimes worry a little bit if they're already mm-hmm. starting to yeah. have those things sneaking back in. Yes. Um, so it, certainly that can depend on, I, I, I don't want listeners to take that message that if you're just a couple weeks out of surgery, go yeah. out and move on to ice cream. Later on, guys. Later yeah. on, you'll get yeah. there. Wait until at least after six months. So let's get the good behaviors settled will, and then go on there. I wouldn't even say six months. I say a year. And I only, I say even more just because yes. I noticed uh, with me is it's like the whole baby tummy thing that I, that I describe is like, well, I, we don't know that these foods like are good. Like we love them until we reintroduce them. Mm-hmm. And like, if as a kid, if I was never given ice cream, I would have never have known like how good ice cream is. Right. So I didn't introduce ice cream until probably year three. And now that I have, I want it again. Yeah. And I'll want it like once every couple months or once a month. And it's like, if I didn't just introduce it, yep. it wouldn't be a problem. She went so, way longer. So I get the whole like draw the line because you're going to get too wrapped up into like, oh, I can have that. I can see how it didn't do anything to me. 
Right. Mm-hmm. So I just right. get like, I, it's a slippery slope. It's, it is a slippery especially slope. Especially if you are a foodaholic. I think that's the deal is like, you have to learn, are you the foodaholic or did you just have like some other problems that caused this weight gain? Because I know for me, it was a coping mechanism. So you have to realize, oh, I, I cope with this. I need to not do this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Draw the line. It can so. depend on the food too. I think, um, you know, I can think of working with patients where they have certain foods that are their trigger foods mm. and those foods I can't reintroduce. Yes. But I've got control over um, a bag of chips. That's not as tempting to me as a pint of ice cream in mm-hmm. the house that I oh, know I can't definitely. I can't stop. I'm going to finish the whole thing. And so yeah. um, first, and a binge eating disorder is something that um, a lot of, of patients pursuing weight loss surgery do have. And mm-hmm. so um, you know, being aware of that and having some, some tips and tricks that hopefully they've been able to work through um, with a counselor and and with uh, supportive, you know, people around them. Awesome. Uh, well, is there Great. anything else you want to add, or yeah. is there anything the thing that you have left that you want to share? I am so share? thankful you guys invited me on. Aww. This has been a lot of fun. Good. Good. We may need to do a part two because there's a lot of information. <laughs> we might have to do a part two. Yeah. So if you're to... okay for a part two, we'll come back. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. Awesome. All right. Thanks well. for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next time. That's Bye. right. Bye. Bye. Hey listeners, if you enjoyed your time with us, please rate, review, and subscribe on any platform you get your podcast. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Join us on patreon.com forward slash OSLP where you can get exclusive content. We would like to give a big thank you to Anne-Marie Cruz for our logo, Nick Dukes for our web design, Dylan Godfrey for our editing, and Eric Vaughn from 17th Street Studios for our music and recording space. Thanks for listening to our Sleeve Life podcast. We are breaking the stigma of weight loss and weight loss surgery one episode at a time.